music, news, interviews, live events, and more. Welcome to the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Hey, it's the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield, and I'm really excited today to have Joseph Arthur and Jeff Ament from Random. Oh, and it's R-N-D-M, just in case you were wondering. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening, I'm sure when you downloaded this or you clicked on it to listen to, you know that that's what it is by now. Now, it's great to have you guys here. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, good to Thanks see you, Matt. Great to see you both. You know, uh, I got to talk to you guys about how you came together because, you know, both starting out in different parts of the country, but you got to tell me, what was the first meeting? like? Where did you guys meet? Uh, New, York. Yeah. New York City. Wetlands. Wetlands. Oh, it was a Wetlands gig. Yeah, was I, was, that- I was opening up for Davi Garza, who was opening up for Three Fish. So I was the first of three. And then Jeff was playing with uh, Richard Stuverud, who's also in Random, and uh, uh, Robbie Rob, Robbie Rob, and, and Three Man. Fish. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> remember good. those shows too. It's amazing all that yeah. stuff that was going on at the time. Yeah, yeah Wetlands. Yeah, Wetlands was yeah. the center of the universe. It was a us. great place. I saw so many bands play there yeah. the first time ever. Whether it's guys like you or you know Oasis playing there back in the day, and it was a big jam band hang too. How come it closed? Yeah. You know. It was because of real estate. It's like, you uh, know, the way so many places in New York City have closed down, yeah. mm. uh, the rent became too expensive for them to continue there, you know? Yeah. I mean, remember Brownies, you know? Oh, yeah. It was a great venue. Now it's, it's, a, it's cool like a cool bar. something? Or no, it's just, no, it's actually called High Fine. It's got the oh, coolest jukebox of awesome. one of the coolest ones in the city, hands down. Awesome. Yeah, that used to be a great place to play. It right? was. I saw so many great shows there. And now there's a rehearsal space downstairs they rent out to people. Wow. Like Britt Daniel from Spoon was down there writing songs recently for that Divine Fits thing. But, oh. you know, so it's, places just keep metamorphosizing yeah. in this town yeah. in New yeah. York City. So it's weird when you walk around New York and it's like if you've been here for 15 or something years and you see like all your old ghosts all over the place, you know, like, oh yeah, I remember back then and I was like this and you know what I mean? The yeah. city like sort of houses like your development when you live here. It's it like, is. And you watch it, you know, you watch it change and things move. Yeah. And you, it's really weird because New York City is that. It's like any film you ever see, a movie yeah. from any decade or era or footage from like it's World War Two, and you, you look and you're always just fascinated with the storefronts in certain areas because right. you know those streets, but you see something totally. It right. just yeah. it always it's forever changing, and you, you know you think that a lot of those places should have been kept as landmarks. You well, know, at least but, CBGBs. Yeah, that's the yeah. one. I'm I mean, that's the, that's the one that hurts the worst. I know it's true. It really does. So, so tell me when your second meeting was. I mean, did you guys stay in touch uh, and talk for a while, or where, when was the next time? After I don't the know when they exact... stay in touch. Yeah. But, you know, every time we would see each other, there's always a good vibe between us and friendly. Yeah. And I, and I, I bought all of his records. Uh, you know, I, I was a huge fan. And um, when we were putting together the PJ20 thing, like, I think I'd just seen you in Seattle. It was, it was sort of like Purple a KXP lunchtime thing, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You guys did a song together there, didn't you? Uh, the yeah. next time. Oh, the next time. And wasn't there a song, Jeff, that you were starting to work on some new material and you just heard Joseph's voice in your place. I did. I did. And, 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 you know, that happens to me a lot. I mean, it, you know, it's like you're working on a song and you hear Joe Strummer's voice and you go like, dang, like Joe's not here. But uh, for this particular song, I, I really did hear Joe's voice. And normally my instinct is not to bug anybody about yeah. anything. And, uh, and you mean Joseph Arthur now? Cause yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah. but I mean, normally, like it's when you're funny that you would think that you'd be bugging anybody. Sure <laughs> well, no, but that's would love to get a call from you. But that's yeah. but that's just you know that's the way that I 
thought about things, but I think the fact that I had just seen you and hung out a little bit, I thought, oh, I, have, I have just the right amount of balls to ask you if you might want to sing the song. And, and within two days, I got the song back, and it was amazing. And kind of at that point, I thought, you know, there, there's enough between us that we could go in the studio for a day and knock out a couple of songs and put out a cool little EP or just, just, just have fun being creative. And it's always great to be around really creative, like-minded people and that are going to push you in kind of some weird spots and make you create different kinds of music. And that's kind of what... Yeah, when he sent me the track, I was on tour in Europe and I, and I just remember recording it really well because I was in this um, hotel in Zurich. It, it just It's in the middle of the red light district and so it's such a seedy scene, but like it had balcony windows that opened up and I'm like singing this song and looking at all the street life and I don't know, I sent it back. I, I feel like it got onto the track somehow. I was like, this is a good place to do yeah. this. Yeah, there's something about the, the mood and the environment, right? That, yeah. That affects the performance and the way that you feel about it. Now, you ended up doing it at the Pearl Jam 20 show, the Wisconsin show that you guys did, right? With the, the kind of festival that you did, and you did more than one night. And how many nights was that? Yeah, we, well, we did we did two shows there, and uh, you know we went up both days and, and, and played with Joe, and I got Matt and Mike to come up, who kind of played in the original track. And, I, you know, that, that whole... That whole thing was kind of us kind of flying by the seat of our pants, and that was totally in the spirit of, of the whole thing, and, and it was fun. Now, I heard when you got together to start playing together that there was kind of a feel that when you'd, you'd said to Richard, hey, you know what, let's kind of like subconsciously not say anything, but let's kind of be like Joseph's backup band and see how this thing goes and if it works. What, what was that? Am I getting that right? Yeah, you know, I think it was sort of a passive-aggressive, manipulative kind of <laughs> mode that I got into but but you know I I thought it would be interesting to sort of take a- any idea that Joe might have and to kind of rock it up a little bit and give this you know a song acoustic song that he had like a little driver yeah he's whatever. a producer I mean he's like a I think you know good really good record producer because when I went in there I thought what was going to be more like when the fire comes like songs he had already had and I was just going to maybe be the singer on this sort of project he was going to do. And then when the day I showed up, he was like, so you got any songs? And I was like, oh, okay, I do, yeah. But I didn't. I wasn't expecting that. So, And then to hear songs that I had in a more acoustic arrangement have real drive and, and this like rock and roll rhythm section behind it was like a revelation. When you think back about when you first got signed to Real World, you know, by Peter Gabriel, yeah. and we're on that label knew Ben Harper from back in those days, uh-huh. but you've seen changes that, you know, over the records that you've made, your progressions that you made, you know, yeah. that middle period there too, even, you, you really felt like that Mick Taylor Stones era thing going yeah, on. Yeah, along the astronauts. Yeah, along the astronauts. Yeah. I thought, I would love the, fe- like this, Thank you know, you. Sl- like really like down and dirty Stones period, yeah. you know, of their back to the blues, but still had the swagger. It was cool, you know, it was yeah, great. thanks, man. And then, and then, of course, after more solo records doing... You know, fistful of mercy uh-huh. with with your friends with with yeah, Ben Harper, you known Dan. forever, and Danny Harrison. Mm-hmm. Now, doing something like that, and, and again working within a different band structure, was that one of the things that was it was exciting? Because here you are again doing a project with Random, yeah. and what was the feeling like? Was it after doing something like fistful of mercy, you were like, wow, did it put you in more of a mode where you were able <laughs> of to do collaboration? That? Yeah, um, you know, I, yeah, I guess so because you just like the more you kind of. I mean, I've been a solo artist for so long, so, but even within that, you know, Lonely Astronauts was collaborative, and 
even just making a solo record, you end up collaborating with a producer or with an engineer even. Or, um, But yeah, Fistful of Mercy, because that was more collaborative in the songwriting. And, and so I imagine it did help me get to this place too of just being open to this. But like Jeff is like somebody who sort of pushes in directions that might be at first a little uncomfortable, but then I've just learned to totally trust his instinct because it keeps bearing fruit. And Jeff, for you, I mean, coming out and doing Pearl Jam 20, PJ 20, the incredible documentary that you guys put together, very emotional one too, about all the different changes and things that have gone on in all your lives, growing as a band. Um, At that point, you wanted to kind of step out of that project doing that and do something really upbeat and kind of let yourself go. Was that part of it as well? Yeah, I think, you know, I think with any of these kind of new projects or collaborations you're always trying to put yourself and the people you're playing with in a different you know wear a different hat and to kind of push yourself into a different corner of 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 writing music and performing and and that's been really inspiring with this i mean joe and i've been volleying like the most insane ideas back and forth pretty much since april like Mm -hmm. and uh we have an electronica musical album coming. Yeah, so. not, not, not really, but we have. You, volley, you don't know how many people have have told me that recently, though, yeah. about themselves. I mean, you know, <laughs> electronica. I, well, you know, I was talking to Serge from from System. He, him, and the guy from Mindless Self Indulgence have like an a like kind of an electronica opera. I mean, there's uh, a couple of different hybrids, funny. but uh, yeah, all kinds of collaborations can come. You know, yeah. But uh, as far as doing the live show goes, I mean. This it's going to be exciting for you. So, are you going to work specifically from the album acts? Are you guys going to throw in a couple other th- surprises? Maybe some things you've done before, or cool covers that you thought would be good to work up together. Yeah, we have like six unreleased songs. I mean, there were 20 I mean all recorded, of our songs right? are unreleased, I guess so far. <laughs> yeah, twenty. So I guess we have more than six. I don't know how many. Well, eight, I guess. Yeah, left off. Yeah. So the and those are all pretty. I mean, all of them were considered, you know, real album contenders. Now you worked up with with your engineer, right? It ended up producing. Those. Yeah, yeah, with with Brett Eliason, who's you know he he was the live uh, sound man for Pearl Jam for I don't know the first fifteen sixteen years. Yeah, and then he's he's been in charge of like all of our live bootlegs uh, up until now, and he's he helped me put my studio together, you know, sixteen seventeen years ago, and he's just a guy that I trust and did a great job. Knows the room and. Yeah, it sounds, the record sounds great. It's got a yeah. great feel. Like, you know, I read, and I love this, I love the feeling of it. It's, it felt like a plug it and play, plug it in and play, just like, that's it's, what very, it is. it's a very live and immediate feel to it. All the you know? vocals and drums and bass and guitar all went down live. Very few fixes, you know, and it's in his studio, which is also a basketball court. So for it to sound as tight and focused and, and good as it sounds is like, you know, hats off to Brett. Yeah. Monkey Ranch Records, tell me about the label. Uh, well, Christian's right here in the room. He could probably tell you more no, about it than not. I can. But, uh, <laughs> no, is it? You know, Pearl Jam's been in a big transition the last few years. You know, we went from being on a big label to, uh, you know, sort of building a a label and an infrastructure in in one building. And, you know, we have our, we have Nicole and Sarah in our publicity department and Kelly and his management team in there. We have our warehouse with all of our gear and, uh, you know, Kevin Shuss, who does a lot of our video stuff and archiving. And uh, it's uh, record company is kind of part of the thing. And it's kind of 
in some ways it sort of feels like it's what we've worked all these years to kind of have. Um, you know, we have this place where, you know, we have the freedom to, to make music and put it out however we want. And then we have the team to facilitate that. And it's, it's an amazing thing. You know, it's our own little apple or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so, um, I think it's cool though. I mean, I think yeah. it's because you have a group of people around you that have worked with, with Pearl Jam for yeah. so many years and even on all the projects, whether it's Eddie doing, you know, ukulele songs or Brad mm -hmm. finally releasing that album that they had done for a while, yeah. Stonehead. But it's cool that you're all, you're all doing things and you have such a great team around you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> one, it's, it's a one-stop shop for, for all of us in the band. I mean, we, you know, you can come in and spend the day and you can, set up a record and you can go work with Regan on the artwork and you can go down and talk to John about something in the, in the vault and talk to Tim about, you know, how we're going to put it out through the fan club. And it's a really unique, special environment that we have that, um, it feels like it's what we worked for. Yeah. And it's why we're still together because of this thing that we have now. You know, we have a little, you know, little community and also know, because family. you've called your own shots really yeah you know yeah. what i mean which is a great thing i think yeah. that you you've made it you you made a lot of good decisions and we made a lot of mistakes along the way and As you know, everyone yeah, does in yeah life. and that's I'll you know you, right you know what i mean <laughs> we've all, we've, and, <laughs> <laughs> so believe me <laughs> wait, there's quite a few of us can say we're poster boys for that in yep. ways, but uh you know my hands raised <laughs> might as well which we know. I heard you guys didn't know your rights uh, by the Clash the other night at the Made in America show. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know we 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 played that song maybe I don't know five or six times in the Vote for Change tour. Yeah, and uh, never really. Maybe the last time we played it, we kind of got it right, and so we we were pretty. We rehearsed one time uh, before this last show, and over half the rehearsal was on getting know your rights right. Yeah, and uh, and I think we nailed it live, like really nailed it for the first time. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a weird, it's a really weird song. It sounds really it's, simple, but but it's, it's a hard song. It's got to be a hard song to play because just like you know the structure of the song. Well, yeah, it's it. I mean, the verses are kind of structureless because even if you listen to the live versions that the Clash did, mm. Joe's like his the cadence changes. He's kind of rapping freestyle over the thing, and so there's there's specific vocal cues that. At the end of this line is when you got to go right. into the next part, and so it, it, it's it's cool. It's a cool way to play a song. Yeah, it's, it's a great song too, man. Yeah. Lord, it is a classic. You know, it really Lord. is. Yeah. This is the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. Now, Joseph, I got to talk to you about the van incident because right. that, to me, you know, being friends with so many musicians and seeing what people <laughs> put together, <laughs> doing, gotta hear it. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> I mean, I just. The whole the craziness, and it's so New York, but it's New York Borough, New York yeah, City. It, the things it's that a happen. comedy of errors, you know. It's yeah. just like, uh, um, I mean, your fans, I know, we're all saying, "What?" You know, what? It just it just upsets you when you hear about bands like Portugal the Man getting their entire thing and all their classic gear stolen backstage at Lollapalooza. Someone just tows it out and takes it, or or this thing with you mm -hmm. where it's unpaid so, tickets you're already Unpa paid. Yeah, unpaid parking tickets, which which I actually had. Had thought were paid and pointed out that you know, I thought were paid and then um, yeah and then it went to a shop to get repaired and then they parked it on the street and then a marshal towed it and uh, then I um you had gotten back from Mexico you were down there. Well, yeah and I was in Mexico and then I went to Mexico and, and um you know my manager 
told me the shop was going to pay for the, the towing, actually. And so then I assumed that that was all getting taken care of. When I got back from Mexico, he he informed me that he had the worst news and the van had been sold. And there, yeah. was, there was no way to get it back. I mean, you like hand-painted like, tarot cards in there, but you also had, you know, those things, some of your yeah, creative. Yeah, art and paintings and, and amps. And, 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 and that, you know, like a, and a bass amp, too, right? A bass amp. And a an Fender amp twin. It's actually, uh, you know, it's got the Jayhawks uh, case on it because... It's actually Craig Jarrett Johnson's amp who was in the Jayhawks and Golden Smog and stuff, and he's had that amp since he's 18, you know. So it's like one of those things you can't really replace. But, yeah, we got the we got the van back yesterday. Um, but we had to pay a lot to get it back. So it was one of those things where we were negotiating with the guy, he didn't, and he was going to sell us all the contents for 1500 bucks, And he, he had bought the whole thing for a grand. So it was one of those things where, and I was like negotiating things I just never thought I was ever going to be dealing with. Like, you know, talking to a private investigator who's negotiating with the guy. He only uh, speaks Spanish, so we needed to get an interpreter. I mean, it's like a on and on. They didn't want you to pay for that, too. Unbelievable. You got to pay for everything at the end, you know? Yeah. And so then we ended up getting the whole thing back for 5,500 bucks, which is, you know, and then when you get lawyers and all that stuff and PI and stuff, it's going to going to be about an eight to nine thousand dollar train wreck but you know focusing on the positive i got my i got my stuff back you yeah. know i got my art back got the amps back got the van back and so i'm psyched i got it back i'll come up with the money or you know do a little little benefit show or, yeah. and you got a lot of friends and fans who will support you i'm sure yeah and, and so people were so supportive and it's like we got this track out of it that we we, we uh just dropped a video for today and so Which link, song? Link, it's called "Where Is My Van." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's and, great. And, and actually, yeah, and actually, uh, yeah, and, and Peter Buck uh, played twelve string and bass yeah. on it, so it features Peter Buck. And didn't it, he sing on a track recently of yours? As yeah, well? he came to City Winery. He actually made his vocal debut at one of my gigs at the City Winery, and then came back the next time I played there and did and did made his vocal. I don't know what the word for the second time you do yeah. something is. His his return, his, the return, his, his encore, his, his encore performance. performance. Yeah. <laughs> well, Redemption City is a great record. Man. Thanks, man. And you played almost all the instruments on that record. Yeah, except for like I, Russell Simmons. You know, no, not and, 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 Russell's playing it with me, but on that one, I I did. I played everything, even the drums. Yeah, even the drums. Yeah, I and uh, it's funny because I brought an engineer in at the very end to help me like finish it up, and at one point he was like, "Oh, I got this guitar idea." I was like, "Not on this one, brother." Yeah. I'm like almost home. I've done everything. I'm, this is my Prince moment. I'm yeah. just going to do everything. Yeah. You, know? you know, next time, you know, I'm I'm usually really open to people contributing ideas, but I was like, I wanted to do one in my life where I like just did the whole thing from beginning to end, and that's that one. It came out great too. And for Thanks, those man. people, and, and in my studio in Red Hook is where is where we made it beginning to end. I mean, I've done a lot of home recording that's wound up on records, but it always goes through a monster studio before you know and through an eve board or something usually this one all mixed at home everything yeah well it came out really great thanks for those people who are wondering and are listening if you can get about that free online josephartho.com yeah go there and sorry get, about the plug. You can download the whole record no it's, a, it's basically a double album they should do yeah it's there. a double album you can get it for, yeah. for nothing and find probably where's my van and contribute yeah so it's that's gonna be a new, new bonus track coming out soon much. <laughs> which which I think is a cool thing, um, and and speaking of the, uh, the redemption song, but we, I should mention and clarify so people know Russell Simmons. There's two Russell Simmons. Right, right. There's the one that, of course, 
you know, his wife has mogul. a show, and there's Russell Simmons, a mogul, Def Jam, you know. Yeah. Uh, but then there's Russell Simmons, which drummer. is spelled differently, the drummer from John Spencer Blues Explosion. Right. We'll probably have a new record out, too. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah. I saw exactly. him playing on a rooftop, yeah. right. like, here a few weeks on, ago. I went to see him. Spin for Spin. It's Spin. Yeah. Beautiful night, me, man. He was saying, we got to do that. It's awesome. Yeah. It was such a cool night. Yeah. It was a great time. It was a How many times did they say Blues Explosion on the new record? Um, you know what? I didn't hear the whole album yet, but I heard about five new songs yeah. that night, and I have the single. I got the single, um, and I'm and I'm gonna get the album. Soon. That was a, that was a big drinking game back in the day. Like, <laughs> yeah, you, know, you go see them. You play, do play quarters and whoever got it right. <laughs> well, whenever he said Blues Explosion, you had to drink. Oh, that would, and that's, what an insane night that would end up being because yeah. they do, they would do Blues Explosion a lot of times. Yeah. And what was the other? What was the other thing? Um, bell bottoms, bell bottoms. Remember that one, <laughs> Jeff? You know, I know you get asked this a lot. People are wondering um, about. You know the follow-up to Backspacer because it was such a great record. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know you got a bunch of tracks done. I, you know, I ran into Brandon O'Brien in a hotel. I didn't even recognize him with that beard. I was like, dude, no, I haven't seen, I haven't, I haven't <laughs> seen him. Yeah, in years. And he had just said, oh yeah, you know, some tracks done. And then I, um, I, you know, I talked to Matt Cameron like he went to, when Soundgarden went on tour. Yeah. He goes, he's worked on some tracks and they sound effing amazing. You know. Yeah. And um, so it's is it a holding pattern right now? Uh I don't know if it's in a holding pattern. It's kind of it's kind of been in the same pattern since we recorded that first session with Brennan we've we, you know the band's gone on the studio a couple of times and kind of demoed up some stuff and things kind of changed a little bit when Ed tweaked his back and his his dates got kind of pushed into the fall and when that happened uh you know it sort of gave all of us time to do different things and so it's going to happen at some point next year I, I think we're kind of looking for a two to three month uh slot to finish the record and kind of you know, it's it's a big process for us in that band, and that it takes us a while to finish things, and it's so collaborative, and there's so much history with us that it, um, you know, it takes a while to get the artwork rolling and and, and that whole thing. So, so uh, it, the, it'll happen next year at some point. You know, yeah. I, I I'm not in any hurry. I got I got a, I got a great band rocking you right do. now. So, That's good. Uh, <laughs> I think it's fantastic. That you yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, I heard there were like eight or nine tracks done. And I thought, you know, yeah, you yeah. Think, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, they're fantastic. I've told myself that I actually haven't listened to those tracks in almost a year. Yeah, and I told myself I'm not going to listen to those tracks until we're actually really starting to finish, finish it because I, I just don't, I just you don't want to, I just don't, I just don't want to be reminded of of that. And, yeah, I think it's and, almost like right. You know, if you're a writer and you're right, you, you can't work on sometimes two things at one time because you really have to be in the head for a certain for your what you're working on at the time. You know, and good stuff ages well, man. You know, yeah, Even like you know, you'll know. Some, Sometimes I have like stuff in the in the, you know. I mean, this is a good like a, a good example too. It's like some of the songs that I brought to this are are old, you know. Or, yeah, I've heard a version of new track somewhere, right? Yeah, that one. Yeah, that one's not that old, but like there's a, like yeah. Hollow Girl is pretty old, and yeah. I just never released it. And there's a I actually have a pretty good version of it recorded, and I'm just so glad I never released it. Right. You know what I mean? Or like yeah, new tracks I never released either, but maybe live. Yeah, yeah. Did that or something. Modern yeah. times. It's a great lead-off track from the record. Thanks. Man. Really cool. Tell me about that song. It was one of those ones that when we got together and played, it, it kind of came alive, you know, because the, the guitar riff and the, it was sort of inspired by the drums and the bass and those guys just, like, putting a really muscular rhythm to what was essentially more of an acoustic song before I brought it to those guys. And then, uh, yeah, it just felt like a good opening to the record, I mm-hmm. think, for us. Just, I mean kind of speaks of the times loosely that we're in you know and and just the the opening riff i think is kind of like a hello yeah 
I need to ask you guys both about speaking because you're both really road warriors and you stand around and you like to play live. What was your, the first concert that you ever saw when you were a kid or whenever? Linda Rodstein. It was Linda Rodstein. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad, my dad got into a fight with the guy in front of us doing what, what I didn't know at the time was whippets. <laughs> in, at at, at uh, Blossom Music Center in Akron, Ohio. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Akron makes First it, one. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I thought just breathing in the tire smell from the rubber at certain times well, was enough. Well, you know what it was? It was all that uh, all that weed smoke, and I was like, so yeah. this is what my parents have been up to in their bedroom. Like, this is, wait, what's the, this is like a familiar smell, but I didn't yeah. know what it was. Yeah. Sorry, I just busted that's, my parents. That's, that's <laughs> but, right. like, but the Whippet the story is hilarious, man. I remember yeah. showing up at my college radio shows with Whippet, with tanks of nitrous. I'm like, yeah. what yeah. I? I was like, what, what's that guy doing with a balloon? And then he's singing at the top of my lungs, and then suddenly my dad confronts him, and it's like, Proper rock and roll, Linda Ronstadt. Oh, that's amazing. How about yours, Jeff? First show you saw? Well, I mean, I, until about four or five years ago, I told everybody that Van Halen was my first concert, but yeah. I was lying. Yeah. Um, and, and I did see, like, Van Halen did a couple of warm-up tours in Montana, like second and third records, yeah. which were incredible. But in 1973, my Uncle Pat took me to go see Styx. Yeah. Uh, well, Equinox tour. Yeah, and uh, it was pretty cool. I, I was never a big Sticks fan, even after the show. But it was like kind of a mind blowing event because I, I was listening to rock music at that point, and to go actually see it in person, kind of. And you're a kid. How old were you? Like, yeah, I was ten. Yeah, I'm eleven. Mean, your mind gets blown when you see yeah. shows like. And, and I and I really thought that what I was hearing on records was something like magical i thought these people had special powers they were kind of superhero right. I, mean, I mean really like my reality well, was if you're like, talking about sticks they did have special powers. they did indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think about it you know it's, it's true because in that period of us when we grew up you know you didn't really know you, you didn't have any contact with the bands like we're today people are yeah. you know right. tweeting to each other instagramming mystery, yeah it was, it was like, there was so much mystery the yeah. album covers were like the only no, I, or, or album cream covers or circus were magazine or rolling stone that was our <laughs> you know? internet you know we spent hours just like i mean i must I, have looked I, at I like miss those days man. yeah I mean, absolutely. I, I mean cream magazine was like you know that was gold to me man I, you'd run home after school for that whole week on like New cream's coming out, like yeah. you know, when it's got to be here pretty soon. Do you so. know how closely I studied the album artwork of Kiss Alive too? Yeah, you know, what I mean? yeah. <laughs> this is like sitting there as a kid looking at that like fold out concert thing, and you're like, that's just the coolest thing I've ever yeah. seen in my entire life. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it is. You you just got mesmerized by that stuff, and you just wondered yeah. it was fantasy. Let's get back to the um, story about your favorite concert later on. Oh, okay. Favorite concert. If you have yeah. one, something. Well, you know, it's like. It's hard to pick favorites because, you know, there's so many great ones. But in, in recent memory, I saw Peter Gabriel with the orchestra do the, the New Blood. Yeah. And it was after, I saw it the first time in the, um, after, like the covers one. But then when he came back around and did New Blood when he incorporated his songs, it blew my mind. I was supposed to see that show in Mexico City when we were playing there. And we got held up at the border yeah. for five hours and literally... Like, by the time we got into town, like, the show was over. Oh, and I, no. And I actually got back to the hotel, and I watched, like, the, you could get the first uh, London concert that uh -huh. he did of that, and I was watching it just so sad, because it was so amazing. Well, he's going to be in Montreal. I'm going to be up there for Canadian Music Week or something, so maybe I'll try to... 
push your buttons, man. You should come up there. And we should check it out. It'd be fun. You guys should do that. Yeah, I think it'd, it'd be, be really funny. great. Um, yeah, just because I, th- you know, you know him. He's obviously like musical genius and everything like that. But like just like singing with that orchestra, I just felt like too. It's like just a nobody's doing anything like that. It's not like a rock. Mm-hmm. It's not like rock music with an orchestra. It's like a, a new thing, you know. And it, it just it. Uh, very moving, very moving. Yeah. The, you know the, the lights and everything that he did. Yeah, he's great. And Jeff, how about you? Something you saw maybe? In your yeah, there's a there's a couple shows, and it was it was, you know, growing up in Montana, I just didn't see much music. I mean, I saw Billy Squire and April Wine and Pat Benatar and that kind of stuff, but I didn't see hardly any of the bands that I I loved at Who that were your time. Favorites at that time. Uh, I was into Aerosmith and Kiss and. Uh, Ted Nugent and Cheap Trick and yeah, great stuff. I mean, that was you know, and then you know, by the time seventy nine eighty came around, I got into punk rock, got into the Ramones and Dead Boys, Dead Boys, all the Akron. I had Rubber City Rebels record. I mean, yeah. like, hey, we should mention too, and I'm sure you've seen the record. And you lived there, but you were probably about six when it came out. The Akron compilation album on Stiff with the scratch and, and sniff, sniff rubber cover <laughs> yeah. with like Devo on it, Pretenders, but it yeah. had like Tin Yui and Rubber City Rebels wow, and all right. those bands. I always love that thing because you scratched it and it smelled like shit. It was the worst yeah. smelling thing ever, but you just loved it because you knew it was so offensive. It was great. <laughs> you know, Akron's got an incredible music history and looking out with Black Keys too. You Went know? to the same high school as them. You did? Yeah, and, you, and Chrissy High. Did you, all right, did, did you go to the same time as the Black Keys? No, or? no, they're younger than me. They yeah. were like, uh, I think they graduated eight years after I did or something. Yeah, like there's great pictures floating around now of, uh, of Dan Auerbach playing soccer. You know, as a kid oh, back in the a, day, yeah. yeah, from the high school. That's yeah. usually Rolling Stones' job, right? Don't they usually bust those old yeah. high school? Yeah, my, my my mom's upset because they they made the Hall of Fame or the Wall of Fame in, in our high school, and I still haven't made it. Yeah, so well, she's you, got a bone to pick. You're gonna get there. Yeah, you you, know, I, I'm, you belong there. I still got faith. You, I got you faith, belong Matt. there, Joseph. <laughs> what are you talking I know about? that's what my mom says. If, she's if, like, if, what, if, what gives? Come yeah, on, it's gonna come. It'll it'll <laughs> definitely come. So you're, you you loved Aerosmith and, Ten- and Nugent and bands like that, but when you finally got to see things that you well, really I, loved. you know, about a month after I moved to Seattle, I saw a couple punk rock shows. I think I saw like Channel Three and Really Red at this club called the Metropolis, and then I saw Bad Brains at the Golden Crown, and that was that's probably like I'd never seen power like that up close. I mean, it was it was phenomenal and by the time they came back through the next time they were doing reggae for 80% of their set so mm. I, I kind of felt like I saw them really yeah. in their prime when you see Donald Dorn like you know I can say like Reignition stuff like that or was it What's even that? pay to come was it real early or was oh no it was, re- it was, it was uh, 1983 wow. spring of 83 wow that's good. and so it was all it was all hardcore set no reggae yeah um, big takeover you know that all you know and it was you know great like, like I'd never seen a hardcore I, you know, before or since that had that kind of power and that sort of musicianship and right. I mean, it was just full testosterone. Like, yeah, Joseph, Jeff, thanks for coming by. Really excited to have you again. It's R N D M Random, which is really about kind of the way you guys came together and put this thing together. Yeah, the thanks new, for having us, Matt. Really yeah, good, thanks, Matt, and good to see you. Appreciate it. You too. Yeah, man. It was excellent. The new album is Axe, and it's available. And I don't mean Axe like Axe Guitar Axe or Axe Victim. I mean Acts, A-C-T-S. Yeah. Well, guys, I look forward to it, and I'll definitely see you here in New York. Thanks, Cheers, Matt. Matt. Right, you got it. It's the Hivecast. Once again, RNDM Random. It's Matt Pinville. Have yourself a good evening. 
This has been the Hivecast with Matt Pinfield. For all things music, news, interviews, live events, and more, go to mtvhive.com.